Thank you so much for joining us for the Summit Podcast. This message was produced with you in mind, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has shown himself faithful in your life. Email us at mystory@summittogether.com. We started the series at the very beginning of the month. Seems like we've been in it forever now. But uh, the premise of this series is basically Jesus um, had this encounter with his disciples, and he asked them, who do people say that I am? And they went through this list of people, and some think you're a prophet, or some think, and they went through their list, and he said, but who do you say that I am? And, and Peter, in Matthew chapter 16, Peter said, you're Christ, you're the Son of God, you're the Messiah, you're the one we've been waiting on. And Jesus makes a statement, he says to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this, but my Father who's in heaven. And then he says this really important, makes this really important statement. He says, and I tell you, you are Peter. And he says, I'm changing your name from Simon to Peter, and Peter means rock. And he says, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And there's been this misinterpretation through time that what Jesus was saying is I'm building my church on you. But what he was building his church on was this statement that Peter made that said, you are Christ. You're not a good teacher. You're not a good man. You're not, more, you're not just a moral guy. You are the Messiah. You're the son of God. That's who you are. And Jesus said that statement is a powerful statement. And that statement is the very thing, the cornerstone that I'm laying this whole thing on. The church from here to the rest of eternity is going to be built on that statement. And it's really important because we ask the question, what did Jesus envision when he envisioned the church? Is this what he envisioned? Because when Jesus uses the word church there, the Greek word for that is ecclesia, and it means a movement. But when we talk about church, we generally talk about a location. So the question today is, are we supposed to be a physical location, a place that we gather, or are we supposed to be a movement of people that are joined together to impact our community, impact our world. Because the truth is, when we invite people to church, we're inviting them to a location. But what we should be doing is inviting them into relationship with us as the church. Does that make sense? We should be inviting them into relationship to see what the church is all about. Because when you are connected with somebody, they're connected to the church. Because you are the church. Because we are ecclesia, a movement of people together for a common purpose. So today... Um, I want us to look at something a little different. The last few weeks we've talked about what is the movement of God's people supposed to look like? What is a movement supposed to be? As the church, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to value? What are we supposed to love? But today I, I want to ask the question and answer the question, who is the church for? Why do we exist? And, and the answer is very, very simple. And it's a, this question has caused problems for churches throughout eternity. Since the history, I mean the beginning of the church, this question has caused problems. Who is the church for? Now, some people would say the church is for church people. And there's some truth to that because the church is for everybody in this place. You are part of the church and the church exists for you, but you are not the only reason this church exists. I can feel you getting a little uneasy right now. You're, what is he about to say? I'm not sure. We're checking this church out. Are we staying? We're about to find out, right? Because the church doesn't solely exist for the people that call the church home. The church exists for lost people. I'm so glad some of you responded to that. I, I was hoping a bigger percentage would respond, but that's okay. We are not simply in existence to keep Christians happy. We are in existence to bring people who are far from God near him so they can have a relationship with him and know him and experience God as he should be. 
our purpose is not just to simply get a bunch of people together who love each other and we can sing some songs and we can hear Mel preach once in a while and go about our lives. Our purpose is to see lost people come to know him, to see lives made different in our community. That's what God is doing. That's what God wants to do. Our church doesn't just exist for Christians. It exists for lost people as well. And now listen, this, this, this will help cut through some of the divisive things that happen in churches. Because again, when a church exists for lost people, in addition to the people in the building, it changes the way you do things. You, you begin to, to change the way you talk about things. You begin to focus on things differently. Because again, if all I'm worried about is keeping a group of people happy, then we're going to shift some things. I'm not going to make very many changes because I, I want to keep a group of people happy. But if I'm interested in reaching a town full, a county full of lost people, then we're going to change the way we approach things. We're going to change the way we do things. I was talking to somebody the other day about, about this because this is something we've been focusing on. We just don't talk about it a whole lot. And, and it was funny, he, this, this pastor of another church, he said, how do you do that? How do you focus on lost people in your services. And I said, well, one of the things we do is we just change the way we talk. We try to eliminate Christian ease in our church. So I try to, I try to talk in a conversational way when I'm on the stage. So I don't use crazy church words that only people in church know. Does that make sense? Um, so let me give you an example. Um, when I talk about the lobby, I talk about the lobby. I don't call it a vestibule. Because does anybody say vestibule in their normal conversations? No. Nobody does unless it's connected to church, right? So it's, it's, it's not a vestibule. It's a lobby. Because if, if somebody comes in and they've never been in church in their life and we go, oh, you need to find more information about that in the vestibule. They're like, is, is that like next to the bathroom? Is that in the bathroom? Like, I don't even know what a vestibule is. It sounds French. Like, I'm not sure, right? So we don't talk about the vestibule. We talk about the lobby. Because if you go to a movie, you know where the lobby is, Right? So we talk about lobby. So we try to change even some of our language to make it more approachable. And so what it does is it shifts our focus from being on ourselves to others' focus. Does that make sense? And so that's one of the things we do in a very subtle way to try to, to, try to make guests feel more comfortable when they come in here. They don't feel like outsiders. They feel like they're a part. And so we do things like that over and over and over because God loves people and he loves lost people. Every person matters to God, not just the people who happen to be sitting in this room today. I heard Pastor Dick say amen. Thank you, Pastor Dick. Everybody else is like, I don't know how to feel about that, but Pastor Dick agrees with me. Let me read a passage of scripture to you. This is where the bulk of the message will come from today. This is Mark chapter 2. I love this story so much. Jesus had started his ministry. We're going to be in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. But Jesus had started his ministry. It was flourishing. It was going really well. And he was taking a little bit of break from, from ministry. Aren't you thankful he's, even Jesus knew when he needed to take a break? And so Jesus, he, he went to Capernaum. It's where he was living at the time. That's where he was making his, his home base. And this is what it says in Mark chapter 2, verse 1. It says, and when he returned to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So the paparazzi found out, and the people found out. And it says in verse 2, And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. He, Jesus took his day off, his time off, and all of a sudden, he had this interruption. He's like, I just want to get some rest. And all you people, you won't leave me alone. And how many of you know sometimes God wants to interrupt your life to do something incredible in your life? Sometimes you've got your plan and God interrupts your plan so that he can do something even better. And so Jesus was going about his business and these people start showing up. So he said, you know what, if people are going to show up, I'm going to preach the word. I'm going to share God's goodness 
Jesus with them. So he starts preaching the word to them. And it says in verse 3, And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. They couldn't get in the building, so they said, let's tear the roof off. Sounds reasonable, right? Of course, we'd all do that. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. Can you imagine this image for a second? This dude's paralyzed, and they're lowering him, lowering him through the roof into this room. Don't you think the paralyzed guy was a little nervous? Is they're like, you're fine, we got this thing. You're 40 feet up, they're just dropping him down. Like, he couldn't even hold on to anything because he's paralyzed. He's just like laying there, he's nervous. I'm sure he's gotta be scared. Verse five says, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there. Some of the religious people were sitting there. It says, questioning in their hearts. They didn't even say anything out loud. They were questioning in their hearts what he had just said. And verse 7 says, this is what they were saying in their hearts. Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And verse 8 says, and immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they, that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your heart? This is one of the reasons I don't know if I'd want to hang out with Jesus too much, right? <laughs> Thank God my wife doesn't have that ability, right? <laughs> we would be in marriage counseling forever. Verse 9 says, which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? Verse 10 says this, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Now, I want us to take just a few thoughts from this passage of Scripture today, because again, as a movement of people, I think there's some things we can look at and take from this today. The first thing I want us to see is, is this man, he was a paralytic. He needed someone to bring him to Jesus. He, he had physical needs and he couldn't get to Jesus on his own. He needed someone to take him there. And in our community today, you might look around and go, well, hey, we don't have a lot of paralytics and we've got ways for people to get to church and to hear about the message of Jesus. We've got live stream. People can watch the live stream. Why do they need to come to church? But the truth is, even today in our community, in Indiana, Pennsylvania, in 2015, there are people who need someone else to bring them to God. They need someone who's going to take them by the hand and say, hey, you know what? I want, to, I want to introduce you to Jesus. I want to bring you to Jesus. Because this is what these men understood. They understood we can't do anything for our friend. We don't have the ability. We don't have the, the power. But I know somebody who does. So it's not enough for us just to pray. We're going to take this guy to Jesus. And today I would venture to say there are people in this room that you know someone who needs God, who needs Jesus, but they just need somebody to bring him. Um, we just did a membership encounter this last Sunday night. And I loved the story I heard. And I didn't, <laughs> nobody's going to come to membership encounters now because you're afraid I'm going to use you in a message. Uh, and I won't say any names, but there was this, this family that was there. And I said, how'd you come to the summit? And this lady said, well, I, I was going to another church. I hadn't even intended on coming to church here. But my sister had been away from church for a while, and I came to church with her. And she just said, hey, I'm going to the summit. Would you go to church with me? And she said, I came just because 
she wanted me to come to church. So I wanted to support her. I wanted to, I, we came to church together and she said, our lives were changed that day. Now, listen, I would love to say I'm such a dynamic communicator that, that I've changed their lives with the words I spoke, but that was not it. Do you know what changed everything? An encounter with Jesus. They walked in this place. They, they met Jesus. They connected with Jesus and it changed everything in their lives. But the truth is this girl knew where she needed to go. This girl knew I need Jesus in my life, but she needed somebody to go with her. And so many people that you know in your life know what they need. They know they need an encounter with Jesus. But the problem is they don't know how to get there. Oh, yeah, they, they've got Google Maps. They know how to get to our church. They know how to get to a church. They, they know it. There, there's a street called Church Street in our town. That I can see three churches from my house on my porch. I can see churches. That's not the problem. The problem is they need someone with them when they encounter Jesus Christ because there's strength in numbers. Does that make sense? Because when we have somebody with us, we're not in this thing alone. How many times from this stage do I say, you are not in this thing alone. We're in this thing together. And there's strength in that when we know, hey, I'm not by, this, I'm by myself in this thing. And so there are people in your life that need to come to Jesus. And it's as simple as making an invitation. It's as simple as saying, I see your need. I, I want to I be part of that. I want to be part of the solution. I want to help you with that. Because this man needed someone to bring him to Jesus. He didn't need somebody to tell him how to go through therapy or how to, this is how you can do it. Here's how you can manage your paralysis better. He needed Jesus and he needed somebody to bring him to him. Luke chapter 14, verse 23. Uh, Jesus was telling this incredible story. Um, it was a parable to his, to his disciples. And he told the story about this man who was having a party. And in ancient times, they didn't send out, um, you know, the, the save the dates. And, hey, on Friday, June 23rd at 7 p.m., we're having a party at my house. And here's what we're going to do. Can you RSVP? But what they would do is they would let all their friends know, hey, we're going to have a party. And the preparation is going to take some time. So just be ready. When the party is ready, we'll let you know and you can come to the party. That's kind of how it worked. And so Jesus was telling the story to his disciples about this rich man who was going to have this party for his friends. And they got ready, and the party was ready, and so they, the servants went out to the friends and said, hey, the party's ready. And the friends kept coming up with excuses. Well, I can't come because of this. I can't come because of that. Oh, I'm too busy. I don't have, I can't be there, whatever the excuse was. And so the servants came back and said to the master, sir, we can't get anybody to come to the party. And the master says this in verse 23 of Luke chapter 14. It says, the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and the country roads. Tell the people there to come. I want my house to be full. See, what the master was saying is, I've prepared a party and I want some people to encounter it. I don't care if they're the rich people or the poor people. I don't care if they're the country folk or the people in the urban, you know, in the middle of the city. I want people to enjoy this party. And this is what, what God is speaking to us even today. God wants people to enjoy his party. God wants people to encounter him. God wants people to know him in a real tangible way. And so how does that happen? Does it happen when we pray that God will supernaturally speak to them? No, it happens when we go to the hedges in the highway, like it says in the King James, and we compel them to come. And it's not because we're, we're twisting arms and going, you, got, you better be at church. You got to get your life right with God. And we say, oh, oh fine, fine, fine. I'll do it. Right? We're not doing that. But what it's saying is we are so consumed, we're so convicted by what we believe that we're going to do whatever it takes to get those people to the party. I want to be careful. how <laughs> It's dangerous because sometimes I think things that aren't in my notes and I got to, I got to filter sometimes. Um, but the truth is these guys wanted to bring him to the party. These guys knew the paralytic man needed something. 
And they said, I'm going to do whatever it takes because we believe so strongly that Jesus is the answer for your situation. We're going to do whatever we have to do to get you to that party. I think this could have been the first involuntary healing we ever see because they walked up and I don't believe they said, hey, um, can I ask you, I don't know if maybe, you know, I was thinking about it and, um, you know, maybe you'd want to get healed. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe you probably wouldn't. You probably don't want to get healed. But, I mean, would you? Maybe. <laughs> Do you know what I think they did? I think they had this, this intervention, this Jesus intervention. They went, got, went in this guy's house and go, okay, listen, uh, we know you're paralyzed and we love you and we're for you and we're going to walk you through this. But you know what? We believe there's somebody that can heal you. So, so we're not going to be satisfied asking you. We're taking you to Jesus. Is that okay? Well, I don't know. I, don't, I know you're uncomfortable. Believe me, it's going to be great. We're, we're taking you to Jesus. So, uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, come on, let's go. And they picked him up and they took him. Okay? I really believe this is what happened because this man had grown used to being Paralytic. It was his whole life. He knew that. He was comfortable in his discomfort, if that makes sense. And they took him to Jesus. And the thing I love about it is their faith was so strong that it made all the difference. So the first part is that this man needed someone to bring him to Jesus. But the second part is that Jesus responds to bold faith. Jesus responds to big beliefs. When we say, God, we're going to trust you and we're going to do what we need to do, but we're, we're putting all of this on you. And if you don't come through, it's not me, it's you. And we don't like saying that, but God comes through in big ways when we trust him in big ways. See, sometimes we don't exercise our faith because we're more concerned about the cost than the benefit. Because see, if these men would have gone to this guy and said, hey, listen, we're going to take you to Jesus and you're going to get healed. There's a risk there that he would have said, no, if you're my friend, you're not going to take me. You know what? You're not going to pressure me to do that. You know what? I'm, I'm living my own life. It's none of your business. Just leave me alone. I know Jesus. I've heard about Jesus. And I can serve Jesus my own way right here. I don't, I don't need to connect with Jesus. And they could have offended him. They could have lost a friendship, but they believed so strongly in what the benefit was going to be, they were willing to, willing to risk the cost. Does that make sense? See, we understand this on a very cognitive level because you understand um, nobody, nobody says, you know what, I, I want to have heart disease when I'm 40, 35, even better. Like, man, I would love to get like early onset diabetes. That'd be fantastic. Like none of us want to be 400 pounds, right? Like none of us do. But do you know how people do that? Is by saying, I know I need to exercise. I know I need to eat better. But the cost of doing that is not worth what the benefit will be. Oh, sure, I'm going to die early, but I get to go to heaven, right? We say things like, I heard a guy one time say, you know what? My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and I'm just giving him more room. that's really what it's talking about. Okay. <laughs> we understand we have desires. We, we want to be healthy, but we don't want to work out. Right. And sometimes when it comes to our faith, we do the same thing. We say, God, I want to see you move, but I just don't want to step out in faith. I want you to do incredible things in my life, but I don't want to do what it'll take to see the incredible things happen in my life. And these men said, I don't care what the cost is. I don't care what it might, what it might jeopardize. I don't care what the cost is going to be in money because it costs them something. When they tear a roof off of a building, like, hey, insurance isn't going to cover that. They're paying that out of pocket, right? 
It's going to cost them something. It's going to cost them some time. It's going to cost them some energy to drag this paralytic guy to meet Jesus. They weren't throwing him in the back of their Ford and driving him to town. They were walking him all the way. It cost them something. But they believed so strongly in what the result was going to be, they were willing to pay the cost, the price. It was worth it. Some of us, we see people in our life that desperately need Jesus, but we're not willing to pay the price because we don't know what the benefit will really be. I love what it says, Mark chapter two, verse five. When Jesus saw their faith, Jesus saw their faith. He saw the four men, he saw their faith. He didn't see this paralytic man's faith. This is really important because your parents' faith doesn't save you. But what it can do is help put you in position to meet Jesus so that you can be saved. Does that make sense? And what these men, their faith did was put this man in position to meet Jesus. And your faith is not going to save anybody else but you. But your faith can position people in your world, in your community, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your home to meet Jesus, to know Jesus. And so when Jesus saw their faith, they saw what they did, that they didn't just have faith to bring their friend to Jesus. They had faith to get up on the roof and to tear the roof off. He was moved by their faith. And he said to them, he said to this man, son, your sins are forgiven. And then the the Pharisees got ticked off. And they're like, wait a second, you can't forgive sins. He said, yes, I can. In fact, I'm not just going to forgive his sins. I'm going to heal him. And then he says in verse 11, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. Because see, I think Jesus understood fundamentally his biggest need was not that he was paralyzed and needed to walk. His biggest need wasn't that he was a paralytic. His biggest need was that there was something going on in his heart that he was far from God. And he said, you know what? I'm going to forgive your sins because that's the most important thing. The felt need you have is important, but at the end of the day, the most important need you have is, is to be in a relationship with God. He understood that. So you might have friends in your neighborhood, in your community, you say, well, they don't really have a need. They drive a nice car. They live in a good house. They pay their bills. What needs do they have? You might look at that and go, they don't have any needs, but they do have a need. And Jesus identified it. Their greatest need is not that they can be healed physically or that their marriage can be healed. Those are important. But do you know what every one of our greatest needs are? Savior. Jesus identified that and he responded to it. See, the thing I love about these, these four men they didn't just have faith to bring Jesus or bring this man to Jesus. They had a different kind of faith. They had a tear the roof off kind of faith. And when I see that kind of boldness and I see Jesus respond to it, I pray, God, give us the kind of faith as a church corporately, me personally, God, give me the kind of faith that's going to be a tear the roof off kind of faith. I don't want to believe for little things. I don't want to believe for insignificant things. I want to believe for things that are going to transform communities. I want to believe for things that are going to change counties and change regions of our state and change our nation. I want to believe for big things. You know know what it says? No, 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 you're going to interrupt me. I'm running out of time. This is what... (laughs) This is what it says. It says, ask and I will give you the nations. That's what I'm asking for. I want to have that kind of faith that I go, God, I don't want to just see some people show up to an egg hunt. I want the nations. That's what I'm asking for, God. Because God's going to give it to us when we ask boldly in faith. So today, some of you are saying, man, I want to bring my son to church. My son is far from God. I want to bring them to church. Well, ask them. But don't just ask them, and well, you wouldn't want to come to church maybe sometime. You tell them, you know what, I, I want to bring you to church. This is so important to me. I feel like you're going to have a great experience. This is what I want to see. And you talk to them, and, and you compel them to get to church. And if you can't get them to church, guess what? I, I, I alluded to this earlier. You are the church. 
You are the church. If they won't come to hear me preach, guess what you get to do? You get to share the gospel with them because you're the church. Share your faith with them. It's so important because this is everything. But it all hinges on faith. God, give us a tear the roof off kind of faith. Jesus was walking with his disciples in Matthew chapter 21, and they were walking by a fig tree, and there was this fig tree that had uh, leaves, but it didn't have fruit. And it should have been bearing fruit at this time of year if it had the right leaves. And so Jesus walks up to it, doesn't see fruit, and he curses the tree, and it withers at once. Again, this says something to us as Christians about our fruitfulness. This is a whole other message. I won't even get into that. So in verse 20 of Matthew 21, it says, When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither at once? And Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. I'm telling you today, the faith we have, not just in, on our ability or, or our relationships, but the faith we place in Jesus Christ is everything. Because when God sees our faith, it moves him to make changes, to do something in our world. Some of you are here today and you've got friends and loved ones that you've been believing for. You've been praying for them diligently. But I would tell you, it's time for you to step out in faith and do something more than just pray. Maybe, maybe it's to invite. Maybe it's to have a conversation. Maybe you invite them to the coffee and you just have a really personal, loving conversation about their faith and where they're at with God, what their future is. Maybe that's what that next step is for you. But we have to understand that faith doesn't just believe that God can. Faith believes that God will. I want to say that again because it's important. Faith doesn't just believe that God can. Faith believes that God will. Um, my mom fixes these um, cinnamon rolls. They're homemade, like not out of the box. You know, she does the dough. She does the whole thing. It's, they're incredible. And my mom, my dad retired oh, years ago. And when he retired, my mom, my mom says she retired too. So she does not cook nearly as much as she used to. My mom has the ability to make those cinnamon rolls every time I go home. And I don't go home a whole lot anymore. Oklahoma's a long way. But she has the ability to do that every time I go home. And the question isn't if she can, because she can. And man, they're good. Like, you eat them and it's like, yes, Lord, I, I can see your presence right here. Like, I can sense it, right? <laughs> the question is, will she? But this is the confidence I have. Now that we live so far away, I know that I can call my mom and go, Mama, I'm going to be back. Um, you know, when we're back in July, Mom, I would love some cinnamon rolls. This is subtle because I know my mom's watching right now. So, Mama. <laughs> but I know when I ask, Mama, would you fix some cinnamon rolls for me? I'm her baby boy, right? <laughs> I know when I ask. It's not that she could, but she's probably not going to. I know if I ask, she will. It's not just that she has the ability to do something, it's that she will do something. And sometimes we pray and we pray prayers like, God, I know you can, but whatever you do, whatever. And we just kind of leave it up to God's mystical sovereign will and God, I don't know. But when we pray, we need to pray in faith that not just God can, that he's got the ability to do something, but that he will do something in your life, in your relationships, in your marriage, in your finances. We need to believe that God cares enough about you that he will do something. That's what faith really is all about. Band, you can come on up if you're listening or if you're available. Um, the last part of this message, we see, we see that this man needed somebody to bring him to Jesus. 
We see that Jesus responds to bold faith. And the last thing is God was glorified. We see this over and over and over. God never works in our lives apart from his glory. Does that make sense? And when he works in our lives, the purpose that he works in our lives is so that he could be glorified in the world that we live in, so that people can see how really incredible God is. God doesn't bless you in a vacuum. God blesses you so that people can see, so that you can see how incredible our God is. And so uh, my favorite part of this passage, I think, is Mark chapter 2, verse 12. So after he told the paralytic to rise up, he, he had healed this man. In verse 12, it says, And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Can you imagine what God will do next weekend when you've invited When you've invited your neighbor or your friend or your nephew or your son to church and they experience God and their life is changed and the neighbors and the people they work with say, I don't know what happened, but we have never seen anything like this. When you invite your neighbors that their marriage is a mess, that it's hanging on by a thread, but it looks great, that they've got the facade, everything looks wonderful, but they get here and they have an experience with God, they connect with God and their marriage is restored, and they say to you, I've never experienced anything like this. I've never seen anything like this. Can you imagine when people's lives are changed and we're able to say, we've never seen anything like this before? And it's all gonna be for God's glory. God wants to do something in this church, but it has nothing to do with this physical location in this building. God wants to use us as a people, as his ecclesia, as his movement to impact our community, to impact your neighborhood, to impact your workplace, your school, your campus. God wants to use us as a church, not a building, but as a people. And when we catch that and we have the faith that God is gonna do it, it empowers us to allow God to do incredible things. So my question to you today is who are you bringing to God? Not who are you bringing to church next Sunday? Yeah, I want you to bring a truckload of people next Sunday to church, but it's not about that. Who are you gonna to bring to God? Who are you dragging to Jesus? Because it's not just about church attendance, it's about your conversations at the water cooler. It's about your conversations before class start. They're coming to church right then. They're meeting the church in person when they talk to you. So who are you bringing to Jesus? Let's pray. God, I love you today. And I'm so thankful that you wanna be involved in our lives and you wanna impact our lives. And Lord, you don't want us just to live defeated lives. You want us to be overcomers. In fact, your word says that we are more than conquerors in you. So Lord, I pray today we would begin to believe for the impossible. We'd begin to believe for bold, daring, audacious things in you because you're a good God and we can trust you. So Lord, I pray that our hearts would be open to whatever you've got for us. Lord, I pray that we would begin to see those around us who need you. And I pray that we would do whatever we need to do to bring people to you. God, let us believe so strongly in who you are and what you can do that we wanna get everybody we can to your feet so that they can be changed and transformed by your power. So Lord, I pray today, you'd open up our eyes to the people around us and help us see what the needs really are so that we can bring them to you and see those needs met. Lord, have your way with us over the next couple of minutes. If you're here today and you say, Mel, you know what? I, I don't really know God. I don't really have a relationship with God, but I want to today. 
I don't wanna wait till Easter Sunday. I, I wanna know God today. I wanna have a relationship with him today. The things you were talking about, I want those in my life. And, and so I want those. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God, or maybe, maybe you said a prayer at one point, but you've never really walked with him. But today you say, I wanna walk with Jesus. I wanna know him. I wanna be in a relationship with him. If that's you, would you put your hand up in the air and let me pray for you? I'm not gonna ask you to come forward. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I just wanna pray with you. Thank you, over here on my right. I see your hand, you can put your hand down. Thank you, thank you, ma'am. Couple of hands, you can put your hand down, awesome. Who else says that's me? Pray for me, Mel. I wanna know Jesus today, I wanna have a relationship with him. I wanna walk with him. Anybody else? Thank you, over here on my extreme left, I see your hand. Thank you, sir. Awesome. Anybody in the balcony, real quick, just a few more seconds. See, that's me, pray for me, Mel. Okay. I want every person in the room to repeat this prayer, whether you raised your hand or not. Let's pray it boldly. Let's pray it loudly. Dear Jesus, thank you for forgiving me of everything I've done. I take on your life today and I'm laying my life down. I'm never going back to my habits, my sin, my mindset. I'm gonna chase after you now. Thank you for loving me. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To watch this message on video, go to summittogether.com.